Hello, everyone, and welcome to Waiting to be Signed, the show where we reveal the week's events on FX Hash. My name is Trinity, and I'm joined by Will. And before we get started, just a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it, as the market is a key part of FX Hash. That said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice. It is for fun and conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week, or for those who prefer visual language on Instagram at Waiting to Be Signed. If you're feeling generous, please consider purchasing the show notes for this episode on FX Text. We also always appreciate gifted tokens at our Taz wallet address, waitingtosign.tez. Hello and good morning. Happy Friday. How's it going, gamer? Oh, I can't believe you just called me that. Is there a why in there? <laughs> it feels hostile, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. I feel like, if anything, it's I'm regressing this week because of that. And I know that you've been playing some games too, no? What is this, the third or fourth week now of slow markets? And it was like for the longest time, FX Hash, the podcast, just this whole entire thing as a hobby and obsession pushed out gaming for me. Same. It was the combination of my wife being on a trip this week. You know, obviously looking after the baby was the first priority, but then in the time that I had, it was like, all right, what am I going to play? So I picked up Magic Spell Slingers, which is this new, new free to play version of Magic the Gathering that's a lot more like Hearthstone. So is it good? I mean, you know that I was a huge Hearthstone person for probably too many years. It is interesting. I mean, I haven't quite dug into the economics of it yet to figure out how awful you know, how extractive it might be as a free-to-play game. I, I assume it's maximally extractive because Magic Arena was pretty brutal in that sense. Gameplay-wise, the starter decks that you get feel actually pretty powerful. Like, it kind of reminds me of the early days of Hearthstone in the sense of, like, games aren't over on turn two or three. You actually can come yeah. back <laughs> in this game and you can outmaneuver your opponent. They they put in a pretty elegant execution of instance, actually, and the ability mm-hmm. to interact. So... Um, they basically work kind of like in Hearthstone. They have the secret cards. Yeah. yeah, the secrets. So you can lay a secret. It doesn't show your opponent that you played it. So that's like one part of the hidden information aspect that's important. And they can also trigger on your turn. So you can attack. And if you have a giant growth and your creature gets blocked, the giant growth will trigger. So you can use it offensively or defensively. That sounds pretty interesting. And you know, I think that hidden information, it sounds compelling. I don't know if I'm going to give in and play it until there's a really solid mobile client. I just, I can't get back it's into on mobile. gaming. It's on oh, it mobile. It is on mobile? Okay. Yeah. They just released it on everything. Oh, that's so smart. They got it right. Yes, they got it right. But you've been playing, what have you been playing? I've been people? playing League of Legends Wild Rift, which <laughs> is exactly League of Legends, just simplified a little bit for the phone and to not have like hour long games. So essentially they took out a couple of the towers. They've had some good quality of life improvements so that it shows you like if you have like 800 gold, it just shows you that like, hey, if you go back to the shop now, you'll be able to buy this. And it's been actually pretty fun. I got into it in search for lesbian TV content. I watched Arcane a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) How did you like it? I really enjoyed it, you know? Yeah. You know, you got to love it when they put in a, a nice little love story there. We only watched half of it. I think I watched it all on one day. I just Perfect. marathoned the whole thing. And I guess I got bored last week. And so I started playing Wild Rift. Apparently, I'm not terrible ADC. 
We can change the name of this podcast to Waiting to be Ganked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That also sounds like some kind of hateful word. But but (laughs) I think it's fun that you both got into gaming. I would encourage you to check out Magic Spell Slingers just because I would be interested to hear your take on it. Just just for that. You have to get through the first five minutes. The intro is one of the most cringe onboarding experiences I've ever had to play through. It's utterly terrible like and you just look at it and you're like i can't believe they spent money on this and thought this was good (laughs) it's really really off-putting and bad but once you get through it and then you turn off all the sound (laughs) in the game (laughs) and you just actually play the game the game seems good okay i started a clan like a group in it called wtbs so if anyone does want to (laughs) play you can hit us up on twitter and we can get you added so we can share resources and craft cards i'll definitely link to the game for sure I will say one more thing before we transition over is that if you ever want to play Wild Rift and you want to play jungle or support for me, that would be fun. It's actually really, really good. I did main jungle. Can I play it from my PC or do I have to play it from you the play it phone? phone which is great because you're sitting on the couch. It's really great. It's mobile optimized. Okay. I'll check it out. So we invited everyone to play games with us. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully everyone who's still listening, listening now will... Bear with us as we transition into FX hash stuff. <laughs> Not much news this week, I guess. By way of following up, we actually had NFT show Europe. And I think Funny Guys also had like a little bit of a gallery or an exhibit there of some of the work that they own. I'm not sure. Kind of like similar to what you did, like curating. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it was a really cool space with a bunch of gen art representation and multiple people providing FX hash work, which is so good for the platform and you know so good for our, uh, our collections as well. One of the things that we didn't talk about last week was that there was live minting and there are, I think, at least three key drops that I think they're all still available to mint. The first one, and we actually had one of these donated this week, is Polly Ziggy by Fraguata. And this is like a really fun play on cubic abstract shapes of sorts. I'm going to click run on one. Hopefully it doesn't crash my browser. Oh, it does not crash. It runs very well. And it's super fun and interactive. Yeah, I think this piece is super cool. The other two pieces that are also open for Mint is A Multitude by Lokmi and... Petri by Joseph Pels. And it's kind of surprising to me. All of these have a lot of editions still open. Yeah. Mint. And Lockme and Joseph Pels are like really known artists on the platform too. The last time Lockme put something out, it was one of my favorites of the week. I really liked that piece. Joseph Pels puts out really cool interactive like 3D stuff. And the Petri project here is, is really cool. It's kind of like not quite as crazy as the ciphered piece, but very much like in that scratches that same itch if you're into that type of thing. The movement on this is really cool. It's interactive. It didn't load on my other computer. Um, It's working really well on my M1 MacBook. This is another one of those that kind of has that oil mixed with water type of feeling that we talked about last week uh, when we were discussing what project was that? The Chris McCauley. The Chris McCauley piece, yeah. I think this one is really reasonable for 16, in all honesty. I think they're all really reasonable. And that's why it's like, I, it's just, again, just the weirdness of the market right now that I think these are not minting out. Like maybe they got forgotten because they were kind of closed for a while during the live minting, then they fell down the gallery page. I also think that maybe like customer expectations is like these live mints are supposed to be free. When are you going to open them up to me to be free? Yeah. 
which kind of sucks as a, an overall mentality, but I can see that having some sort of marginal mm -hmm. impact as well. Maybe macro trends are leaking into these lab events <laughs> in a way. I think that it's also the barrier to entry. Obviously, creating a wallet is like not that big of a deal, but funding a wallet can be. I don't know. Did you see any pictures of your gallery or anything? Have you got basically no feedback on? No feedback. No feedback is better than bad feedback. So exactly. We'll take that. We'll, we'll take it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a light news week. Obviously, our Tokata interview came out. That was really fun and exciting. We even got we got a lot of retweets on that tweet, which was much appreciated. Glad to see everyone was as excited about that as we are. And of course, the interview, the link for that's going to be in the show notes and in the FX text article here. And the other news items that the indexer went down <laughs> this week, <laughs> and we got a lot of viral marketing for the show. There you go. Yeah. So Everyone, clever. Everyone's tokens were stuck on waiting to be signed for a while. And Anna Carrera, whose drop Redolls came out at that time, added us on Twitter <laughs> asking us to do something about this, like as a, in a joking way, you know, uh, because <laughs> all of the people who minted her token were stuck for a while. That's a very beta experience. You know, that's kind of like a throwback to the old days. Yeah, it was interesting because there were a couple of big drops that came out. And when the indexer is down, you couldn't see things that like as they were minting out, you couldn't update or cancel your listings. I don't even know if you could, you could barely purchase on the secondary. I had some projects that I was trying to sell at that point and I realized like, okay, I was able to execute and put them up for sale, but then there was nothing on the front end updating it to show that they were for sale. It's like, shoot. So I feel like that made an already difficult market like a challenging market right now, even more challenging because like anyone who minted anything that day or even earlier in the week with the intention to flip it, like you just had this window of time where you like no one would see it. So that was kind of a bummer, but it got fixed. We're, we're back now. Yeah, we got fixed. You know, it was happening around the time of the extracurricular activities drop, which I know we'll talk about a little bit later. Mm -hmm. And I was actually shocked to see that it didn't impact the secondary much at all. People were still able to list and purchase. Yep. But I'm always curious to see how those sorts of trends or like the technical issues, how they could impact the relative quote unquote success of a drop on the mm -hmm. secondary immediately after. And I think what we've seen is time and time again, it doesn't always do that. Like maybe I'm over indexing on, uh, over indexed, gosh, <laughs> on like the importance of the sales feed. And making sure that people are like seeing what what's being bought and at what prices and, you know, especially with the indexer being down, like it doesn't appear to be much impact. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel like it did hurt the Redolls drop a little bit because you literally couldn't even see them listed if you were trying to list them. Like, I think that definitely took the momentum off of that drop. Anyone who was minting at 88, maybe thinking they would flip for 200, like that opportunity was completely, completely evaporated. And however many ended up um, on the market, half or so, I think the undercutting just began without any of that initial like windfall of, of quick flips. So I think it did take away from some of the secondary market volume on that piece. And we'll talk more about that yeah. once we get there. But first we got to do donations. All right. You're up for donations today, man. We got a tiny cloud from Charlie Surf, an impressions of order from Nibswit, a bots ink and a bits in from Alutakuk, Polly Ziggy from Luis 
Luis Fraguada, a Dreamcatcher Forest from I Ryan Bell, a Weave from Matt W, an Amplitude and a Zephyr from OTM Vault, an Obliques from Jerez, and an Inland Emotions from Rich Pool. Thank you, everyone, for your donations as always. And thank you, everyone, who's been minting the articles as well. And thank you, Trinity, for making the articles. They're looking awesome. They're actually a lot of fun to make. And, you know, thank you, Will, for uh, editing the podcasts each week. <laughs> I know that that is, that is your Friday. That is my Friday usually, yeah. But that's okay. I feel like the workflow is better than ever right now. I love this, like, Friday morning recording. I think I was finished with the episode by 4 p.m. Friday last week. It's a record. Yeah. That get it in the queue, have a relaxing weekend. It's great. I guess we should just go right into projects then, right? I mean, there's not too much really to talk about trend-wise. We can. There's only so many different ways we can say things are slow. Things are slow. Things are not fast. Things are not fast. Things are so slow we started playing games again. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the slow market, we had some favorites. We have a top five. We have some shout outs. So Trinity, what is your favorite this week? My favorite this week is This Is Not a Branch by Julia V. And I don't think I've shouted anything out by Julia V in the past. They're very prolific. A lot of the work in the past has been much more in the um, AI-driven image composition space, sort of similar to what we might see from an Avona Tal. Facts abstraction is one that I think was the breakout piece for me, which kind of actually looks like some of your uh, Maurer pieces. Mm. You know, the colors, it's the textures um, kind of painted in like different color fields. That was really a breakout work and it actually sustained a, well, a decently high floor. I think I sold mine for 15 Tez, which might be the, the highest sale, still maintaining a floor of six which off of a mint price of one. So like for image comp, like that's been very, very good. Mm-hmm. And then I know that I have the hum of cyber forest in my uh, weird, freaky, like somewhat goth gallery because there's some black and white variations of that project that are just super spooky, super eerie, and just is kind of scary, to be honest. So that, <laughs> and so, you know, I've had my eye on Julia V for quite a while. And then this is not a branch is actually a project that is fully generative there. It's not image comp at all. I think most people probably clicked into it thinking that it could be, but it's not. It's 120 editions, five Tesmint. And I think that every output on this is like incredibly pleasing and ton of variation here. It's very much inspired by like Japanese prints. And you also see that with the nature themes coming through. I don't know. I just think it's really it's really nifty and really cool. When this one came out, I did see people in Discord saying like, wait, is this image comp? This looks really cool. Like, I don't even know if it was because they associated Julia V with image comp, but it was more like, this looks really cool. Am I accidentally buying image comp? <laughs> like if I, if I get this, like kind of that fear. Yeah. But now it seems everyone's so good and respectful of using the tags and you know, the piece animates when it builds and you can see it's not image comp pretty clearly there. But I love the story on this one. Inspired by these mechanical trees in Arizona that are designed to capture and sequester carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Thematically, this one's super cool. I, I didn't end up minting anything. I was very conservative this week, but I, I came pretty close because this is a really cool looking piece. Some of them, most of them have like that red sun in the background. And one of the things that I love at the bottom of them 
there's a certain gradation mm. at the bottom of the red suns where like there's these lines that kind of start showing up to break up the piece a little bit. I had a t-shirt that had something like that on it when <laughs> I was a kid and I just really enjoyed it. So yeah, great pick. Haven't purchased one yet. Um, the floor keeps going up, which I guess is a good sign. <laughs> that means you got to get in soon. You got to get in soon. It's been almost seven days. Well, my favorite this week is Obliques by CCOXOXO, which is an alt account for our friend Jerez. This was 300 editions, Dutch auction, starting at 10, going down to two, where most of the minting occurred. And this is an image comp piece using work from Mark Maurer and their series Parallels, some of which are CCO, Creative Commons license, so you can use them. And so Jarris took the ones that were Creative Commons, cut them up, and basically used them as paintbrushes to create these little structured paintings. So they have a lot of the same texture and uh, radiation that the Mark Maurer works have, but now they're just kind of like twisted and spiraled in form. I don't know, just something totally new. And it's a very fun project from Jarrah's. It was cool to see Mark's work incorporated like this, put onto FX hash. And I was able to mint two of them at two Tez. There's people gassing. People were going for this one. I gassed. I only up to 0.05, which is barely gassing. I got three. Yeah. People were looking at this to flip. I think they looked at Nounfall's success and they're like, yes, this is this is the one. And now it's sitting at almost 50% listed floor of 190, mm -hmm. which is below mint, which is crazy for such a gassy drop. The other thing to mention about this one is that Jerry's wrote an article, an FX text article, talking about, I guess, Creative Commons, of course, and that and that license, and then also just the creation of the piece. That article is a really fun read and uh, still available to collect, though. It's no longer available to collect for free. All the free editions have been bought up, but there's still 97 that you can get for a Tez. So Jerry's is something a little similar to what we've been doing, where it's like doing the tiered pricing structure. I grabbed one from the podcast account. Oh, cool. So Perfect. We'll, we'll have that one there. I was actually curious. Um, this, So all of the pieces in this, they are from the Parallels collection, right? Yeah. How many of these do you own? I actually think none of these are mine because the ones that I own were not CCO. Not all of the Parallels that Mark published were with that license. I'm not sure if that's like an intentional thing or what, but I do remember seeing like every now and then some of them would, would say CCO and some of them say all rights reserved, which means no, no license like that granted. I didn't intentionally seek out the non-CCO ones. I just wasn't really paying atten attention to that when I collected them. Okay. For some reason, I thought I would see your name on these. I know, yeah. I know. I would have loved to like match one up. I don't know. I'll do another check. Perhaps I'm wrong on that, but I don't think I have any in here. Well, some big names on people who do own them. We got LeMond, 2D, DD, uh, and Flood, I've seen as owners of some of these Parallels pieces. So you're in good company on the Mark Maurer train. Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> Heck yeah. I still need to pick some up. You can still find some. Even the even the new ones that are coming out, the one of ones are like 10 Tez, 12 Tez, 15 Tez. They're not out of reach yet. Well, that, that was favorites. You want to do top five? Yeah. Where should we start here? Our top 
top project of the week, which I think is by market cap, right? Take Wing by Melissa Wiederacht. We've been having her on the show quite often yes. in the last couple of weeks. This is a 250 edition piece, the Dutch auction that started at 600, went down to 100, but mostly, I think, or maybe completely minted out at the second lowest tier of 110. Great follow-up solo work to Zbagetti, which I think is a platform favorite. Mm-hmm. Only 100 spaghettis were minted. So 250 for Take Wing, you know, it gives a lot more people the chance to get in. It's a really great work. I think. We were both excited about it. We mentioned at the end of our last episode as a project we were looking forward to. Did you end up minting it? I did not end up minting it. Was that a scheduling error or was that a just Tez conservation? It was a Tez conservation choice. Mm-hmm. I think I'm with you in trying to be a little bit more disciplined and cautious where my I think my MO is going to always be mint multiples, sell one to cover. Yeah. And you know, when you get to a uh, hundred Tez price point, which is most of my Tez, it's like a quote unquote risk yep. that, yep. you know, I'm not necessarily able to take, if that makes sense. Um, Very similar to my thinking at the time. I mean, I was watching this one. I was ready for it all day. It was one of the only drops this week that I was like really consciously present for. And exactly the same approach thinking I'm going to mint to and try to sell one in like the mid 200s and cover at least. And as I was watching them in, watching the Dutch auction, I just got that feeling like, geez, the, the market's so rough right now. Watching these chunk away, I just got very worried that it was going to become a, a very flipped piece and then I was going to have to essentially get lucky. Mm-hmm. Lucky to mint one that someone like a collector, like a Lamond would come through and pick mine higher than floor price point or otherwise I'd be basically shipping it away near floor and and the floor is like 117 now, right? So, yeah. You know, once you factor in royalties, you'd be under mint. Yeah. Selling there. So, I feel I feel terrible <laughs> about that decision cuz I really like the piece. I really want to have one of my collection, but it feels like the market right now is really for people who are able to bring in a lot of fiat and collect and they're going to be rewarded long term. And unfortunately, neither of us can really do that to the extent that we would want to. <laughs> I think it's similar to poker, right? You know, going back to the poker analogies where it's like all about like, what can you do with the percentage of the stack that you have, right? When it comes to like risk analysis. I've actually been chipping up like I'm up into like the 350s of Tez. Like I've made some actually good flips. There is opportunity here, but it does take a lot of discipline right now in this market. And I guess the upside is like, look, like, I can probably come back in a future where I have a bigger stack to play with and pick up a piece probably very close to mint price that I really like. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of these that I like. We should talk about (laughs) how cool this art is. Like, There's so many differently expressive pieces in the mix here that you could build yourself a really, really cool triptych of these if you wanted to. I'm looking in particular at number 199 here which is listed for well above floor, but has like a really amazing colorful burst versus other ones like number mm-hmm. um, 101 or, or number 16 that play off like a little bit more monochromatically. Like I'm really liking the variation and diversity I'm seeing in these, even though they are so abstract where you, you might just think that 
that they're so random that you don't really see a lot of difference between them, but I'm, I'm finding the variety to be really pleasing. I agree with you like wholeheartedly. And, you know, I think that in talking about Melissa in the past, you know, she's so good with her use of color and texture, especially from like a generative perspective, maybe less so her earlier pieces, but I would say like starting with orbs, you see a little bit of it in solitude and then like fully formed in spaghetti, Mm -hmm. like that background drawing slash texture that then just has the foreground of like that splash, as you said, you know, it's really cool to see kind of that progression from project to project to project and just how they're so quintessentially her continuing to grow. Yeah. I love it. I'm loving that Melissa is still dropping on FX hash. I think she designed the Dutch auction really well here. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And this is something that we've mentioned a few times in the show. I don't, don't know if she was influenced by our conversation at all, but keeping those bottom tiers more shallow. So that way people don't experience like a big jump and then they start gassing because like the delta between two tiers is, is sufficiently high enough. So like by doing that 120, what was it like 125 to 110 to 100 to 100, I think she got probably somewhere in the order of 2,500 more Tez because people weren't really gassing at that 110 range. And yeah. if it had just gone straight to 100, you would, you could imagine that people would have been gassing a little bit there and that would have been paying the bakers and not paying her. No, I agree with you as well. It was in my uh, my mental notes to talk about that as well. Yeah. So I think just overall, like insanely well run and positive drop. You know, she's just been so prolific. It feels like she just kind of came out of nowhere. Well, someday we'll talk to her and we'll find out where she came from. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you know, she's also been releasing on art blocks as well. And I think she still has some the, some work that hasn't been released yet. Is this based on your Instagram sleuthing? No, this is based off of her website. Oh, off her website. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. For example, like she had already been releasing, uh, I think, some of her earlier projects on FX Hash, like Untitled or Marble Opulence. And I think at that time I was like, oh, but like she has this cool project called Orbs that's on her website. Mm. And then Orbs came out a couple of weeks later. And so it sounds like she's a code-based artist who's been working in this medium for quite a long time and has been waiting for the FX hashes or the art blocks of the world to really just kind of unleash her creativity and talent. Definitely interview target for the future. Agreed. So yeah, that was Take Wang by Melissa. Great drop that both of us look forward to owning someday. Should we move on to the next project? Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about Impressions of Order by Nibswit that actually is probably close to Take Wang in terms of total volume by now. It's had a few more days of secondary this project also was highly anticipated it came out just hours after we recorded last week so continuing with the trend of artists dropping their big stuff on friday and there's actually one dropping shortly after we're gonna be done recording today too so that theme will continue impressions of order was 300 editions dutch auction from 128 down to 24 i guess the most notable thing was how hard LeMond went on it. Yeah, I was looking <laughs> through this and like out of like the first 30 or 40 editions, I think Didi has about half at yeah. least. So Didi was going in from the even the start, from the top of the Dutch auction and then was kind of like dollar cost averaging in at every tier. The bulk of them went in the 48 and 36 range. I minted one at 48 because I got nervous that it was going to be gassed at 36 and I would miss. And I think that was 
turned out to be right. Didn't even yeah. get to 36, right? I, I went for a second one at 36 and I missed. It was gassed away from me. This was one that I wanted to mint to sell one. I only ended up being able to mint one. So I had to flip it. Didn't have to, but I decided to flip it. You chose to. Yeah. I chose to and I sold it for a hundred. So I came out in profit there, which is part of my goal right now. I would have loved to have kept one. Well, we we ended up getting one at least donated to the, <laughs> to the podcast wallet. So we co-own one. I think this piece is really cool, but I, I want to hear what you what you think of it first. I would say it's less my personal taste. I still think it's really cool, but I think I would probably would have been with you. I, I would have tried to mint multiple to sell one and keep one. I do love the really old school feeling. I think it's like the tonality of the colors. They feel a little bit more retro, mm -hmm. so to speak. And, you know, somebody who's I played with circuit boards a little bit when I was like a kid. This is close to what they would have looked like, at least conceptually, and probably vastly different now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so you really get that old school feel. It's supposed to kind of be an homage like Nintendo cartridges and exactly that, like these circuit boards. I think the thing that I really like about them is they, they feel kind of like, you know, I like El Tono a lot. Like, yeah. They kind of do a lot of that for me of like exploring a lot of like nuance of small differences in a way. Mm -hmm. Although I think that they only read as being very subtly different. I mean, when you actually like drill down and examine these, each of them is like very, very different. There's a ton of detail. And if you render them out at the highest level and download them, you can zoom in and see just how cool these are. They'd make fantastic prints, I'm sure. I'm sure Didi's way ahead of us on that. Yeah. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> like there are a couple of them, like, or some variations that do read as incredibly different. So right. a lot of them are more of like the right angles, left to right, like very ordered. But then there are some like number 285 for example, that really leans into like the 45 degree angle. And so things are much more like slanted and tilted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a completely different vibe. There's some glitches in there. There's line direction. There's, so there is like a lot of um, rare stuff that makes mm -hmm. them stand out. Like some of them have extra line thickness and stuff. I think these are really, really cool. And it was great to see not just Lamont, but like some other collectors going in and, and seeking out some of the the glitches like i ended up minting one with a glitch which is why i think i was able to get it sold at 100 versus now the floor is like 70. like you said i think the color like the colors just the patterns like a lot of the the way that repetition plays out for me i really really like them i appreciate the variants but i appreciate the base ones as well like this is one that i would i think i would it would be a great like background like on a phone or on like a pc but not in a derogatory way, in a good way. Not in a derogatory <laughs> yeah. way, but like one where it's like really true to the thing that you're looking at. I kind of feel like saying like, oh, it would make a great screensaver feels like such a, I know, a slam. I know. But, but it's also one of those things where I feel like so often in Discord, we see someone showing off their lock screen and on, it's a, so on cool. a phone and it's like a really, really nice NFT that they own. It's like, And it's like also something that you look at literally all the time. Yeah. According to their Twitter, there's going to be an FX text article coming soon. Okay. talking about this so that'll be great be on the lookout Amazing. for that for more about this drop definitely one of the big ones from the week i really loved it but for the sake of time we should move on do we want to talk about redolls by anna carreras sure only a 125 edition so small run project with a flat price of 88 tes and you know i think we're seeing 
and we talked about this uh, in previous episodes, like the transition from almost everything being a Dutch auction to some projects being flat price. Mm-hmm. And this is also Anna's Genesis project on FX Ash. Did you look at her website and explore some of her other work? Not yet. I literally just clicked into her website gotcha. now. So she has some really cool work. I mean, she had an Artbox curated piece in 2021. So it must have been one of the earlier maybe curated drops called Trissettes. But some other really cool projects like the Center Platform, like Anelis and the Stratospheric and I don't know, some some really cool looking generative stuff. So definitely we should link to that in the article for anyone who's not familiar with her. Because I certainly wasn't familiar with Anna being so FX hash focused. I think my main takeaway is I'm excited to see what else she puts out because this piece in particular wasn't making me go nuts. But I am excited to have Anna here on the platform and clearly other people like it. I mean, there's a lot of big names who are in here uh, collecting collecting it and holding it. It did get a little bit flipped, but not as badly as you might assume. I mean, it's like 36 of 115 listed. So we're used to seeing like full 50% plus on the market at points. But I don't know. What did you, what was your impression of this one? Uh, When I first clicked into it while it was in the incoming queue, I was really excited. The piece looks so amazing, so cool. And then I got less excited as I started flipping through variations. Yeah. It was a little bit more single tone than I would have hoped for. You know, obviously colors are different. The placement of different orbs and circles are different and it uses different background patterns, but it wasn't like wildly different. Yeah, that was kind of the same impression I had. And I think you kind of see that too when you look at them in a grid sometimes. I, you know what mm-hmm. I, You know what I think it is? This kind of reminds me of a little bit of like when Peter released Gandhian, mm-hmm. which is that there are some core pieces to the drop here that don't vary. Like they always have a line down the center and then mm-hmm. two diagonal lines going from top right to bottom left. And even though, like you said, like, yeah, there's a pattern in the background, that pattern is always like in a square grid. So I think there's just like these like main components that are not really varying very much between piece to piece that then when you look at them, it creates the impression that there's not a lot of variety in the piece, exactly. even though there might be. It's a nuanced variety. Maybe we can put it that way. Yeah. There are a few random ones that pop, like number 60. There's some of them that do actually pop when you look at them in a grid, but then a lot of them next to each other. I think, again, because of those like repeated elements always being present, especially like the orange and yellow mm-hmm. ones can look very similar. Like the dark greens and stuff. Yeah. I heard it looks great live. I know that this is on display at a, a live event in Berlin. And Ken reported that it looks awesome up on the screen. <laughs> so Yeah. And I think that's something that we've talked about with other projects in the past as well. Even ones that don't have a ton of variety. At some point, as long as the work itself is amazing, like the variety is less important over time, maybe. Right. Like a single, like, um, yeah, a single one looks great on its own. I agree with that. Yeah. We were talking to um, a collector, you know, many weeks ago. And I think that their criteria for if they would collect something or not is if I saw a bunch of these in a room, would I be able to pick mine out? Right. Yeah. And you might not be able to with this one. To be fair, I might not be able to pick my Contra out of a lineup either, but I would be able to get it close. I mean, there are like 700 Contras, so you'd have to really dig through. 
It's a five drop. Happy to have Anna here. I'm really hopeful that she's going to continue to drop here. Yeah. I would love to see something like a stratospheric here. This piece looks insane. It looks like it was made primarily to be like a live printed piece. I'm not sure if it was actually done as an NFT, but it is generative. Oh, it was a Cortesi gallery piece. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. They're super cool looking. So let's make sure we link to that. Did we want to talk about the market? For it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? it's kind of hovering around mint, the floor. Yeah. it's The floor is currently 89 and it was quite far below for a little bit there. A lot of the most recent sales have been in the, the 60s, the 70s. There were a couple of sales at 54. I mean, the lowest sale right now is 39. So someone took a very low offer. That wasn't even an offer. Oh, it that wasn't? Was, someone listed it? Yeah. You know, this is kind of the flippers haven't learned yet. We've been talking about this week over week of like flippers going in on these pieces and getting punished and then bailing out. And so that's kind of hurting the prices of them for sure. That's the market right now. Yeah. Um, we'll need to have more more people, more wallets, uh, more liquidity entering to really change that. But, you know, I think that we both agree that until like the macro trends change for crypto in general, it's, and I guess for the overall economy, mm-hmm. might be a, looking at a couple of, a few more tough months. Not to turn this into an interest rates podcast, but apparently, I mean, the, the big dump over the past few days has been because like, the Fed is signaling that they're still going to raise another one and a half percent on the interest rate. So I don't know what that's going to do in terms of Tez price. I assume Tez is going to stay suppressed. I don't know what that's going to do for the market here because we've obviously seen like in May, Tez got cheap and we we saw people come in and rush in. And I think clearly like some big collectors are taking advantage of cheap Tez to, to come in and grab art. So Tez has been cheap for so long, you know. At some point, it's no longer cheap anymore. It's just repriced, right? Yeah, yeah. No, well, well, that's what we're seeing in the mints, right? Like in the in the initial cost of mint, I think, is that artists have definitely adjusted with the number of 50 plus Tez mints we've seen. And like even this one that's coming up today from its Gallo, it's going to be 50 Tez, right? Like 50 is starting to feel normal, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Or like even starting to feel like a deal sometimes. 50 is the new 20. Yeah. This is just a week by week thing. Luckily, the art is still overall very good. You know, it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. You know, people are, it's an opportunity for more people to hone their craft. and Expectations are also going up, I think, yes. on the collector side too. People are yes. like being a lot more picky about what they're willing to, to take positions in. That was kind of heavy, but I think we have, we have two lighter drops to end to end on here from the top five, at least. Light, lighter, more fun drops. Do you want to talk about Brutalist Movement real quick? Yeah. This was a drop that came out Right after we recorded last week, right? Yeah, very quickly after we recorded. I missed it because I was editing. <laughs> <laughs> I had this targeted for flipping, for sure. I was going to like try to mint two or three and sell to cover, and I missed out. And it would, and but that intuition was right. It would have been a great one for that strategy. And at that price point of ten, you know, that's kind of like that sweet spot. I would say where even trying to flip, it's not a risk. Yeah. So brutalist movement by cloud noise. A modest 256 editions, flat price of 10, which again, flat price. We love to see it. It just feels like a drink of cold water every single time. It's very refreshing. So Cloud Noise hadn't released anything on the platform yet. Their Twitter is still only 600 followers. So like, I think prior to releasing this, it was probably even half that. I think the hype came from Nicholas Sassoon tweeted about this drop or like retweeted or something. 
got people really into it and justifiably so. I mean, it's a super fun, well-executed piece. It's not necessarily like the type of thing that I would want to have in my gallery necessarily, like for me personally and taste, but I can see why people really, really like this. And Nick Sassoon did end up going on a bunch of them along with a lot of other artists. He's the top holder of five pieces. I like the animation. I like the minimalism. I like the chunky, dramatic effect that some of them have. He's got style. It has a lot of style and a lot of taste. Like the palettes overall are very good. Maybe I like this a lot more than I think. <laughs> I think it's one of the ones that it's really rewarding for if you have multiple and can kind of display them together. I like the ones that like have like the sense of depth. Uh, I'm looking at specifically number 13. It just happened to be the first one that I saw where, you know, it's not just blocks and angles. Like you can kind of see like 3D primitive space, you know, where like there's almost like a horizon line in the background. I think the animation is super clean too, which helps it a lot. Mm -hmm. It actually adds a little bit of character. I think if they were just presented flatly, you don't get that sense of dimension. I, th I think the animation actually adds to the dimensionality and like helps to emphasize the shadow and all of that here. The, the more I look at it, the more I'm like, this is actually a really cool drop. And because it was released last Friday, I haven't really gone back to look at it, but we've still seen them showing up in the sales feed. It's done really, really well. Really well. It's almost fully, it's 50, it's fully flipped actually. Right. 162 oh. secondary sales, 73 for sale. Yeah. So it's, it's almost hundred percent represented. It is. Yeah. 235 out of 256 have been flipped or are being tried to flip. But it's holding a floor of 23 and a half now. So which only 2x mint. Like that's if you think really about good it these days though. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. That's so hard to pull off now. For it to churn through 160 sales and still have a a floor double mint like you would expect it to be at mint or below with those metrics. Or really high because everybody who's buying them wants who wanted them bought it. Yeah, that's true. But it's also with like the top holder only having 5 of them. You know, it's something that's been widely collected. It's very distributed. It's a really fun piece. We need to follow this artist on, on Twitter and keep up with them because I think that they could certainly have some follow-ups in this same style, like that they're so good at executing. Like they could definitely carve out a niche here in this like brutalist pixel art genre. Yeah. And also if you look at their Instagram, you see a lot that's in this the same vein. Mm. But it's not just like the buildings. You see, some of them are recent Instagram posts or buildings, but some of them look almost like aircraft control towers. I see. Yeah. Circuitry. Yeah. Cars, stuff. keyboards. But it's like all within this same specific style. So that's actually really cool. And they're followed by some big accounts too, like Kim Asendorf, for example, follows them. It's such a cool style. It's clearly something that they've been working through for a very long time. Yeah. Well, definitely someone to keep on the radar. That was Brutalist Movement by Cloud Noise. And then let's wrap up the top five real quick with extracurricular activities. Again, Landlines is back on their alt account with iteration two. This was 512 editions again. So that was, I guess, what we expected, right? Because yeah. iterations one was 512. But the price has doubled to 10 Tez now. That didn't stop it from minting out pretty quickly. Really fast mint. There are people who are around for both iteration one and iteration two, and they were able to get 15 or more iteration ones. It was so slow. But yeah. the 
jig was up for iteration two. Everybody was sitting there camping it out. And landlines let us know the time this time. It wasn't yeah. a true surprise. So everyone was ready. It was like a 10 p.m. Eastern release. And I had three iterations, one from the secondary that I ended up picking up from two or three weeks ago. I was able to mint exactly three without gas. Somehow I heard people like were using gas and missing. I'm not sure how all my transactions got through. I think I used 0.05 gas again, or maybe 0.5 for each. And I got three really cool ones, including like an all pink background, like a rare, one of the more rare palettes that I'm actually trying to sell right now. Sell and then buy another one. Yeah. To flip down and get some tests back out. But this is the one that I listed when the indexer was down and people were buying them and mine just like wasn't in the mix. <laughs> I should have listed it the night before so that it would have been up, but I thought, no, like, let me just see what, where the floor is tomorrow morning yeah, when I wake up. classic mistake. I do yeah. that all the time. I wanted to have some like more data to anchor off of and just, I think if the indexer hadn't gone down, I would have been fine, but the problem was mine just was missing there. So I think I missed the chance to like sell it in the 70s or 80s. Now I'd have to see where... The prices are for pinks. Uh, it's pretty low at this point. Floor is down to seven, 17 or 18. And that is definitely because it's more people holding and trying to sell versus people sitting on 15. Yeah. I was really, really hoping that I was, would be able to trade into some iteration ones or that the price of iteration one would go down. But I think the only way for me to get iteration one would be to trade multiples of these plus Tez. Yeah, probably. I just really don't want to do that. You know, I also don't want to be, you know, 500 Tez in the bucket on (laughs) On iteration X on iterations because like that would just be all of my minting. So I'm wondering if I just don't get out and say, screw the airdrop. Yeah, it's challenging. It's like, I mean, we saw it with with Sketch A, B, C, like they've each subsequently have had lower floors. Mm -hmm. Here already we're seeing like a huge drop down in the floor it's predictable in the sense of if it's going to be five, 12 every time, that's just a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pieces. And every time that new one's released, you're going to have people like, like right now you're already thinking like, maybe I'm just out in which case you, yours are going to go on the market or you're not going to be participating in the future. Demand over time should go down. So the longer the project extends, the more risky, I guess it becomes <laughs> for, <clears throat> for landlines and for like us as people who are, trying to hold on but i'm i'm along for the ride i think yeah i mean you're landlines fanboy number one i think yeah you're in the top five anyway uh probably yeah i i think for me it's just going to be really contingent on will i be able to get into iteration one for a reasonable price at any point Mm -hmm. and i think the other question is do i want to try to have multiple iteration ones for example like i think the sweet spot for me would be like having two to three you know, I have one for each of my wallets, potentially send one to the podcast wallet, for example, just so that, you know, spread the love. <laughs> I feel pretty conflicted about it because we also don't know how many iterations there will be. If I had to guess, I would say there's going to be like three or four. What makes you think three or four? I'm just looking at like the level of difference between the first two iterations. I guess unless I see something really majorly different like for what's going to be iteration three i'm just trying to project forward like where the drop's gonna go Mm -hmm. because in theory if these are all driving towards something then the first one was playing with circular slicing and those types of compositions this one is like doing something similar but incorporating a flow field to move things around and, and 
reconfigure it. I feel like it's not going to be like 10. I mean, it, it could be. It's just my gut. I'm just I'm just throwing out like what, what I'm feeling. Okay. Like what my guess is. I have no information that I'm acting on. I actually think this one is, is really cool independently. I think I have a slight preference for the iteration one with the circles. Yeah. And I think that there's more of iteration one is leveraging like the color palettes. I feel that maybe it's just like me anchoring on some of like the more floor pieces for iteration two. I think that a lot more of them are emptier, if that makes sense. I get that for sure. I think I'm with you. I think I favor iteration one slightly more, but the more I look at these, there are some of like the angular aspect of it. I don't know. I like right angles. <laughs> so you get a lot more right angles in this one. I, I really mm -hmm. like the way some of those look. And I really do like the pink one I minted a lot, even though I'm trying to sell it. That's just more of a, a financial decision. Yeah. I also like some of the ones that are slightly more like flow fieldy, where it's like really pulling from the curves from iteration one, but kind of splitting it and breaking it mm -hmm. um, into something that's way more segmented. Number 153, for example, is like a great example of one that's like, I think like what you're talking about. 153 is an example of one that's, to me, that's actually really tied into the circular patterns. Yeah quite a bit more like I'm thinking even about like uh, 62 for example or um, actually I was looking at number 17 where oh, and again yeah. this is where people f following along <laughs> look at the FX text article we're going to put all of these things in there yeah that was super cool I think it's like a really interesting play like for iteration one it was very much like the ones that are more circular versus like tightly organized and I think the organization on these ones are a little bit different. Like just looking at number seven, where it is hyper-structured, but in a different way, playing way more with like the uh, diagonal lines and the unstructured ones really just destroying that and breaking it up. Yeah. So I like some of the shapes here a lot more, actually, now that I think about it. I think there's maybe from a overall collection standpoint, I might slightly favor iteration one. It's just good landlines work at the end of the day. Like, yeah. This is, these are both just, if they were on Landline's main account, they would just be like good, exciting Landline's projects and people would yeah. be super happy about them. So I think it's, it's, it's awkward that there's such a price delta between iteration one and two, and that makes it really hard to get in on the project from the start now. But probably moving forward, they're going to be pretty affordable. It'll be interesting to see if Landline's keeps the 10 test price. I prefer the five, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if iteration three will go up to 15 or 20. Like, is it going to be doubling? Like, I, I'm just very curious to see what they're going to do with the whole thing. It's kind of like the opposite of what IpSketch is doing with right. uh, <laughs> You get it more, sketches more expensive as it goes along. Versus less expensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's iteration two, extracurricular activities, the landlines alt account. That does it for our top five of the week. It feels good to have a proper top five. It does. It absolutely does. I actually don't know if all of these are in the top five weekly. They just felt like the top five. Yeah, they did. I'm trying to think of like if there's anything that we're going to shout out that might have been bigger in terms of I don't think market so. cap. No. But yeah, should we do shout outs real quick and wrap it up? Yeah, let's do shout outs. All right. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I'm going to shout out two drops that are still open for mint for everyone to go take a look at that are very affordable and they're very cool, long, long form projects. So the first is Blockadin by Pixel Shard, which you can mint for two Tez and it's a 606 editions. So there's a ton of really cool variety in here. 
Pixel Shard's been around for a while. I'm sure you're familiar with their work. Like in particular, they had a project called Breeding Grounds that got a ton of attention. Prior to that, they had Sketches of Departure that was really big. So they've been around since beta. But go check out this project. It's very, very cool and just two Tez. So the other open mint is Sterungan by underscore, which is UN underscore underscore or just by underscore. This is a one Tez mint that has 1,024 editions. Nothing, not much known about this artist. I'm starting to form a theory in my head that they might be an alt account for someone, but I'm not going to publicly speculate. But yeah, just a very cool project. So this one called Sturungan in particular is plottable. So if you're into that, it's like all one long line the way it's composed and you can put oh, it into a plotter. Yeah. I didn't see that. That's very cool. I like that all of their work is high edition, low cost, just uh, the accessibility. And, you know, you can really see it come through with this algorithm of sorts that they're all very different. Yeah. Sterlingen has crazy diversity in it. You can see why it's like a thousand. It's pretty wild. So yeah, go check those out. Those are two shout outs right there that are still open for mint. Well, you mentioned Pixel uh, Shard earlier in Breeding Grounds. And so I feel like I'm obligated to have my my first shout out be Mikkel Hartman's Under a New Sky. The connection being that Mikkel Hartman is the number one owner. Of Breeding Grounds. Of Breeding Grounds. <laughs> I have no idea how many are owned, but it is a very, very large number. Yeah. They've been putting out a series of work um, called After the Fall. It's a six edition series. You know, it's really more like a space opera type of thing, a storytelling about a civilization who's had to leave their home to find a new home. And, you know, I a, I love a concept album. <laughs> and I also love sci-fi. So this is kind of like my signature sweet spot. So in Under a New Sky, you know, the people who have had to leave their home, they've been searching for a new one. And it's more about their exploration for like, new planets that they could settle in. And, you know, you really kind of see that come through with a bunch of different types of landscapes and uh, spacescapes, if you will, that follow the after the fall, like vibe of being like super sketchy, super textured. And, you know, this was, this is not available to Mint, unfortunately. It was a very fast. Yeah, it was only five Tez. It was a very fast five Tez. I think I was able to get three, slightly gassy each time. But people love it, you know, and, you know, we've seen some that are, are going for higher prices. I think specifically the dark green ones, which I don't think are represented in the other works. Uh, no, I think there are some green. I think there, there's oh, more of a Not rare the palette. first fall, yeah. Yeah. I was gaming while this mint happened and I missed it because it went yeah. so fast. I was I was kind of like, this is like no offense to Mikkel. I was like kind of expecting it to stay open for a while just because. Five Tez is cheap now. Yeah, but but things stay open. I mean, things struggle and I should have known better because this is one that I think people probably have fond memories of the first two that he released and it's been a long time. It's been a long gap. This is like the gap between Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon. <laughs> you know, yeah, and this has been teased as well yeah. for a really long time as well. I'm actually going to, I'm buying a couple right now. Oh, cool. Um, what's the floor at? The floor is at 675. There's a really cool one at seven that has like a nice monolithic mountain thing that I just bought. And I'm going to buy this nice pink one that has like a floating orb with a nice shadow. Oh, the one that's uh, 205? For nine, for nine Tez. Definitely worth the shout out and worth taking a look at. And going back and looking at the previous pieces too. 
this one is definitely way more variety, I think, than the other ones. But I mean, I, I guess thematically that's part of the story, right? Mm-hmm. It's that that search, you know, like that is like all every season of Battlestar right there. <laughs> oh, man, and they're I just searching. About that show in a minute, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's great. I need to go back and potentially watch it another time. All right. My next shout out is going to be Inland Emotion by Ferdinand Dervaux. Another piece that, again, because I was freaking gaming, I missed the mint. And it was only five Tez, 256 editions. It popped off in a big way. This one is maybe almost like with another day or two would qualify, would have qualified for the top five in secondary volume. Mm-hmm. It was pretty close. I think this piece is super cool. I especially like the versions of it that might be a little more rare that remind me of, they're a little more streaky. Like you might compare them to like a Meridian. To me, I kind of compare them to Sediments by Four Let I. So really cool vibe to this project. It's, it's, I'm not really sure how else to describe it. You got to go look at it. Obviously it's going to be in the notes and I've, I'm happy that Rich Poole donated one to us. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, because I was probably also gaming and, or on a conference call. I missed it. Yeah. I knew the name was familiar. And right before the, we started recording, I went back and this is the person who did the living book projects, which are really, really cool also. Uh, but this is much more of like a traditional generative art piece from them. And I think it's awesome. So. Shouting yeah. out Ferdinand here. I love the variety, as you said. What's your next one? My next one will be Just One Long Day by Aripla Nastesa. So I shouted this artist out, uh, I think last month, perhaps, uh, for their work called Little God. So it's an image composition that is like very painterly, very tasteful. Little God was very much like the angsty teenager vibe. Mm-hmm. And I think that trend has continued with just long, one long day. And so it's, you know, a singular character who is, I believe, probably different, but, you know, that same emotional vibe from uh, Little God, like sitting cross-legged, very guarded with like just a scowl to end all scowls on their face. And then, you know, it just has other types of elements with them, in front of them, behind them. One is being embraced from behind by like a somewhat creepy figure that you don't know if it's a person, if it's a ghost, you know, some of them next to like a dog, for example, some being surrounded by a moon, some have like their faces covered by just ethereal hands or or actually just in flames. And so I think that this is a piece that I like just for the vibes. Hmm. Super creepy, super cool. Like it's one of those ones that you could find one whenever you're like in a slightly dark state (laughs) and you can just really vibe with it. Yeah. One of the things I didn't mention to you earlier is that I've been really leaning into my awful, awful music from the mid 2000s. Oh no. More the new metal genre. Have you gone back to Kitty? Yeah. Lots of Kitty on that, on that playlist. Um, You know, like lots of um, System of a Down, for example. Okay, but I, you know, System of a Down has held up critically. People have, I, I've seen it often on music, YouTube and stuff. It's not controversial to like System of a Down. Like people legitimately think that they're like an iconic band now of the era. I mean, they are iconic band. Yeah. But anyway, so I've just been really listening to that just for fun. And so, but, you know, I think that myself from that musical era 
would have also really appreciated uh, just one long day. Maybe this is the chance to get you into Tool finally. No, I mean, I like Tool. Like, I really like Schism specifically. The song. The song. I like the song. Like, some of their other stuff, it's, like, fine. But I think part of it is the um, the emotional aspect of it. Mm. And, like, just, like, not, the emotional aspect being, like, if I knew it then, like, it just has a spot in my heart and in my brain. Gotcha. Right? Like, yeah. it's hard to appreciate that music that I didn't know then now because I can recognize it for just like, this is slightly shameful, (laughs) (laughs) but at least it's like shameful in a fun way and in a nostalgic way. Does that make sense? Oh no, totally. Totally. I only have one more that I'm going to shout out, which is another Chris McCauley piece, part counterpart. On fire. Chris McCauley. Yeah. It loads well, which is awesome. (laughs) It's, It's very snappy actually. And, and it's very different from the work that Chris has been putting out, even in this like most recent era. I don't know. It's just another very, very cool drop from them. And as I look, I, I missed the mint, but now that I'm looking at it again, it looks like I actually have a reserve on this. So I'm going to exercise that. And the floor is below mint. So yeah, I'm still going to mint, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like you can probably pick one that you really like as well if you wanted yeah. to get multiples. Super different from the last drop too. Yeah. When I was flipping through this, I thought it was really, really cool. It kind of reminded me a little bit of like the um, White Cross annihilate this week series i mean very different but i think in just terms of like stylistically there was something about it that i connected connected there um i continue to like what chris is doing and i feel like now that they're kind of back and pushing on fx hash they're releasing a ton of really good stuff yeah and i think also if you just look at the last four drops this amir asilide and kinjo they're all like supremely different like supremely different from each other and so I, th- I think that's something that we liked about Chris way back in beta. Always different stuff. Yeah. Always experimenting. Always different. Shout out to Chris. Keep it up. Train, do you have any other shout outs you want to wrap us up with here? Yeah. I think my last shout out will be for something that is coming out in just a couple of hours, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's allowed. It's our show. It is. But you know, it, I might not have it as a shout out next week. So I just wanted to shout it out while it's top of mind. Okay. It opens in three hours from the time of recording. And that is Mountaineering Diary Entries by Estelle Flores, which is like on the surface, like pixelated image comp, like 80s cartridge video game that you play in high school or whatever. But this is something that I appreciate because it's going full AI. Mm-hmm. It's image comp that is uh, modified after the fact. It goes through like a whole like diffuser effect thing. Everything is, you know, created and generated by Dali. That's AI number one. And then the artist also generated like faux diary entries through GPT-3. And so it's kind of taking all of these different worlds plus like a very 80s pixelized like sentiment and vibe. This is the new Oregon Trail. Definitely get the Oregon Trail compared, like original Oregon Trail for sure. The text can be very funny. This one I just flipped to. It says, is climbing about going or about giving up? Because I had to give up more times than I had to climb in this trip. You have to be chill. (laughs) Yeah, it's classic GPT-3. You do have to be chill. Climbing is about being chill and about giving up. At least that's my memory of when I was bouldering. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think bouldering is just so good for perseverance. Mm -hmm. Um, I was thinking about that in relation to, uh, I'm the type of person who likes to do things that 
I enjoy things that are easy for me because it's like about that flow state. Climbing is something that if you fail at something, you're like kind of motivated to do it more. And so I think it's really good for resilience Yeah, or mental resilience in that. Like it's a very low stakes way. It's a good place to practice perhaps. I'm going to get back to it next year in some way. Yeah. Is there a gym near you? I'm sure there's gyms in Jersey City. There must be. We have everything here. It's the sixth borough. You know, we have uh-huh. everything over here. Yeah. Does that wrap it for shout outs? Do you feel good? I, I think I feel good. Let's do looking ahead real quick. It's a pretty short list this week. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's because we need to pay more attention to the Twitter feed and less attention to the games? Or I feel like I was on top of it overall this week. This one that I'm looking forward to which is coming out in a couple hours after we finish this recording is computers by it's Gallo. And I did not know that was coming, but I'm not sure that that was really like announced in a big way. I'm not sure. I think it was was probably put in the queue yesterday. Yeah. This one's looking really cool. It's a flat 50 Tez, only 128. I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that it's not going to be a gas war and that um, people will be kind of like checked out and that I'll be able to mint multiples. I feel really good about this one as a target for like mint, to sell one mint three sell one mint three sell one if i can get there it's obviously going to be risky but this is kind of like i don't know of everything that i've kind of seen in the queue and know of on the horizon this is like my bet for a a a reasonable flip target i don't know how do you feel about that no i think that seems pretty good i mean it's it's gallo just had a really cool release on art blocks and you know we saw a run on their work on fx hash just last week and so i think that it's really smart timing from them to kind of strike while the iron is hot. Again, flat price, absolutely love it. And it's kind of a reasonable flat price as well, where it's enough not to get too gassy, I would say, but like still like slightly accessible. I'm a little worried that it's only 128 and it'll be hard to get it. Yeah, I mean, but I think that it's a really good um, price to addition size work for the market that we're in now. If it were like, 300 or 512 then i'd be like uh it's risky as hell i'd be scared well i mean i'm i'm just worried i'm gonna like get gassed out and not be able to get it i I see like like the hollow right hollow was very gassy but yeah what else are we looking forward to there was a new tender collaboration announced uh this week as well so tender is collaborating with orkislev who has done so many like very cool drops that are like skeuomorphic, tangible type of vibes. And, you know, they're releasing a project, I think, middle to end of next week, where it's uh, generative cocktails. Yeah. Now these speak to me. (laughs) I am a cocktail lover. Uh, And I think that the style is really fun. I think the poster is like aesthetic. Some, you know. It's so poppy. Like, I love it. I'm sure we'll be talking about it next episode after it releases. This is one of the ones I would get a print out. Put it in the bar room. The bar room. <laughs> if, you the know, bar we, corner. Yeah. If we could always be so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely one to look forward to. And the tender collabs tend to do well. I'm sure it'll make the show in some form next week. And then the only other kind of thing of note is that there's like a live event coming up in the USA finally, but it's going to be out in, in Los Angeles. So I don't think either of us are going to get to go to that, but it's like bright moments X. FX, FX hash X tender X- question mark. Peter Pasma's going to be there live minting a piece and there's going to be plots and like, it's the piece that he's been showing on Twitter of um, all like the kind of industrial looking pipes and 
it's very like obviously a potable piece and a little sad that it's going to be like a live mint only thing because I actually was really liked the way that one looked and liked the idea that it was plottable. So is that actually like generative to be released on FX hash? Because it is really in line with a lot of Peter's work that is not generative, you know, where it is code based, but like lots of fixed valuable variables and that sort of thing. I honestly don't know anything more than it's bright moments X FX hash X tender. <laughs> I don't know yeah. very much about the event. I I don't know if there's like a tweet or something that we can dig up and put into the article, but um, it feels like I was only just announced like yesterday or the day before. We'll keep talking about this event as it gets closer to the date. You know, I'm sure that much more will be revealed over time. I would love if if we got like a little reserve as you know interview hosts. I would love to get of one of these, but both tender Peter. and yeah, yeah exactly. Peter. Come on, AJ, Peter, hook us up. I want to print. <laughs> that's like uh, one minute each, right? I think that makes sense. I think that's the going rate. Yeah. Okay. We're going to start charging for interviews. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, definitely not. Cool. So, I mean, I feel like that wraps it up then. Anything yeah. else? You, you're no. going to go download Magic uh, Spellslingers? I think I'm going to go join my... Uh, daily call that I'm oh, running yeah, late for, yeah, but that's okay. That. But, you know, just the reminder for everyone that if you haven't already, go and check out the accompanying article in FX text just to get a sense of all the things that we've been talking about. You know, there'll be visuals and links and commentary. So if you're, again, feeling generous, consider purchasing an edition so that you yeah. can have it forever, a little part of us forever. We greatly appreciate it. And we greatly appreciate you all listening every week. Thank you so much. We'll be back again soon. That's it for this one. Bye, everyone.